Father, we thank you for your word and how it provides for us such wisdom and insight. And you have given us these examples. And these were written down for our benefit. Help us to take hold of these examples that are for our benefit. That we might walk in your ways. Be encouraged as we have fellowship with you and the saints. And may you bring us to perfect unity, which is your goal and desire for us. We thank you for the chance to be in your word, to fellowship together. We ask that you'd bless our time. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I left off last week, and I started to lead up to the reason why God brought the tabernacle and what the tabernacle looked like and how it was a representative of Jesus Christ and said it's just getting so good because the word is when you look at the word like the book of Exodus it has been so rich Even for me it's been just incredibly rich going through this this book here how God has set everything up as a symbol or as an example and something for us to recognize that we would say well that was Jesus making an example so we would have it today and be able to learn from that example and be brought up in the faith and be mature and unified that's why he did this and that's why it's so good that thousands of years ago he said you're going to need this this year you're going to need this example and God did this structure that was measly on the outside to represent the humility that Jesus Christ had when he came here. I told you before that this tabernacle was later turned into the temple on the Temple Mount, and it bounced around a couple of times after this point. The Israelites, what they did is they were wandering through the wilderness, and then I I just went through the book of Joshua, and in Joshua, you know, they go into the land, and there's some problems in the land. I already told you about Achan and how he took some of the devoted things and hid them in his tent, and then they were stoned, and everything was burned, him and his whole family because of that, and they went from battle to battle, and then they made treaties when they weren't supposed to make treaties, and they did it anyhow because some people deceived them, and they ended up becoming water carriers and woodcutters, and just the whole scenario in Rahab and in Jericho and the red uh, cloth that was hanging down and how they didn't destroy her and walking around and it describes all the battles that they go through and they were just a ferocious people they weren't very big they weren't as big as the people in the land of Canaan but they just went in there and they took this tabernacle with them It doesn't really talk about that too much but we know from history it was like in Gilgal and it was set up and then the the um, uh, judges came along like Samson was a judge you know I just listened about his tragic story that he was a man that was devoted to God separated for him but he was so in the flesh I mean in the flesh left and right you know do not repay evil for evil that type of thing but God used him to judge the Philistines and they were judged he killed more people at the end of his life than he ever killed during his life as a judge because God wanted to use him to kill some of the Philistines the Philistines to judge them and just the incredible stories Jephthah and Gideon and all of those guys there and the the tabernacle was set up then but they had all kinds of problems they were worshiping the Baals they weren't faithful to God and doing what they were supposed to do and some of them would get their own Levites to be their own little priests I mean just mess it was just a mess and then God brings them together finally and they get King Saul and they get King David and they get Solomon and then the kingdom breaks up to the north and the south and all of these things were written down as examples for us 
to learn from. That we wouldn't just say, wow, look at that's a nice story. We're not supposed to look at it just as a nice story. We're supposed to look at it first, but then understand what God had intended for this. And so the tabernacle is being built here, and we have the gates. And John, I'm sorry, we didn't talk about this, but do you still have some of those pictures? Ready to go? <clears throat> now, this is the gate. This is the curtain. The entrance of the courtyard is blue, purple, and scarlet. And it's in chapter 38, verse 18. It says, the curtain for the entrance to the courtyard was blue, purple, and scarlet yarn and finely twisted linen. The work of an embroiderer is 20 cubits long and, like the curtains in the courtyard, five cubits high with four posts, four bronze bases. Their hooks and bands were silver, and their tops were overlaid with silver. All of the tent pegs of the tabernacle of the surrounding courtyard were bronze. These are the amounts of the materials used for the tabernacle, the tabernacle of the testimony, which were recorded at Moses' command by the Levites under the direction of Ithamar, son of Aaron the priest. Bezalel, son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, made everything the Lord commanded Moses, and with him Aholiab, son of Ahishamach, of the tribe of Dan, a craftsman and designer, and an embroiderer in blue, purple, and scarlet yarn and fine linen. The total amount of gold from the wave offering used for all the work on the sanctuary was 29 talents and 730 shekels according to the sanctuary shekel. The silver obtained from those of the community who were counted in the census were, was 100 talents and 175, excuse me, 1,075. I'll try this again. 1,775 shekels according to the sanctuary shekel. One becca per person, that is half a shekel according to the sanctuary shekel from everyone who had crossed over to those counted 20 years old or more. A total of 603,550 men. The 100 talents of silver were used to cast bases for the sanctuary for the curtain. 100 bases from 100 talents one talent for each base. They used 1,775 shekels to make the hooks for the post to overlay the tops of the post and to make their bands. The bronze from the wave offering was 70 talents and 2,400 shekels. They used it to make the bases for the entrance to the tent of meaning. Then the bronze altar with its bronze grating and all its utensils. The bases for the surrounding courtyard and for those are for its entrances or entrance and all the tent pegs for the tabernacle and those for the surrounding courtyard. Now, we have that picture with the baseball diamond in the back. They, that was their favorite pastime, was uh, having baseball. You see that there? <clears throat> of course, this is a mock-up of what is actually taking place. You had the blue, purple, and scarlet yarn. Now, that is just a mock-up. These would have been embroidered with cherubim. It would have been fantastic looking. And remember that you had gold and silver and bronze all through this. But on the outside, you had the sea cow skins or dolphin skins. Remember, we discussed this. This is about my third or fourth time discussing all of that. And, of course, this is a mock-up that's out there. And that's the size, and that's what God showed up in. He said, this is the way it's going to look. And you notice that the gate, blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, you have that on the outside of the outer court, and then you have it before you go into the holy place. Not the holy of holies, but the holy place. And then on the inside, you have the holy of holies, and that's the curtain that protects the outside, everyone but the high priest once a year, from going in on Yom Kippur and sprinkling blood on the mercy seat because he sacrifices a bull for himself and then there are two goats, one scapegoat, one that is sacrificed and the blood is also sprinkled on the altar and so that's what they did. They had this routine that they went through and there was always sacrifices being brought and always incense being offered and always oil being put in the candlestick on the inside, the menorah that is there and this is what they did. They were 
fully devoted to that. Now, if we know two or three million people were around at this time, how many people were actually involved in the work? Very few. But I think most of them gave something. Out of two or three million people, if everybody gave an earring of gold, how much gold would that be? You would have bushels and bushels of gold rings with two or three million people. You would have so many that that's just gold rings. And so God determined that the people would be devoted, and they were. After all of their trials and all of their their problems, God said, okay, we're going to get down and get this done, and they did. And we come up with the priestly garments. Now, did I give you a picture of the priestly garments? I want you to go ahead and bring that up. From the blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, they made woven garments for ministering in the sanctuary. They also made sacred garments for Aaron as the Lord commanded Moses. They made the ephod of gold and of blue, purple, scarlet yarn, and of finely twisted linen. They hammered out thin sheets of gold and cut strands to be worked into the blue, purple, and scarlet yarn and fine linen. The work of a skilled craftsman. They made shoulder pieces for the ephod, which were scattered to two of its corners so it could be fastened. Its skillfully woven waistband was like it of one piece with the ephod and made of gold and with blue and purple and scarlet yarn and with finely twisted linen as the Lord commanded Moses. They mounted the onyx stones or onyx stones in gold filigree settings and engraved them like a seal with the names of the sons of Israel. Then they fastened them on the shoulder pieces of the ephod as memorial stones or as memorial stones for the sons of Israel as the Lord commanded Moses. And you have the breast piece. They fashioned the breast piece, the work of a skilled craftsman. They made it like the ephod of gold and blue and purple and scarlet yarn and a finely twisted linen. It was square, a span long and a span wide. A span is your hand. That's a span going across there. And folded double. Then they mounted four rows of precious stones on it. In the first row, there was a ruby, a topaz, and a beryl. In the second row, a turquoise, sapphire, and emerald. In the third row, jacinth, an agate, an amethyst. In the fourth row, chrysolite, onyx, and a jasper. There were mounted in gold filigree settings. There were 12 stones, one for each of the names of the sons of Israel, each engraved like a seal with the name of the one of the 12 tribes. For the breastpiece... They made braided chains of pure gold like rope. They made two gold filigree settings and two gold rings and fastened the rings to two of the corners of the breastpiece. They fastened the two gold chains to the rings of the corner of the breastpiece and the other end of the chain to the two settings attached them to the shoulder pieces of the ephod at the front. They made two gold rings and attached them to the other two corners of the breastpiece on the inside edge next to the ephod. Then they made two more gold rings and attach them to the bottom of the shoulder piece on the front of the ephod, close to the seam, just above the waistband of the ephod. Now, these things, this is detailed. God says, I want you to make sure you are careful to make these exactly like I have shown you. And the reason is, these are copies of things in heaven. Now, what do they look like in heaven? Not like this. They're going to be filled with the glory of the Lord. But God was very detailed. He goes, I want you to know what it's like in heaven. So he gives us these images. Verse 21, they tied the rings of the breastpiece to the rings of the ephod with blue cord, connecting it to the waistband so the breastpiece would not swing out from the ephod as the Lord commanded Moses. So show the picture again, if you would. There are eight pieces to this outfit of the high priest. Now, look at that. Isn't he a handsome guy? 
Now, if we start at the top, you have the linen turban that is up there. And it's finely twisted linen. It could look something like satin, something like that. But it is, it's a nice little turban up there. And then you have this gold piece, holy to the Lord or holy to Yahweh is what was engraved on that. So those are two things. Then you have the shoulder pieces up there. And on the shoulder pieces are six tribes on one, six tribes on the other. You have the tribes of Israel listed there. Then you have the breastplate. And those breastplate have the different stones that I just told you about. And on each one of those stones was a name engraved on the stone of the name of the tribe of Israel. Now, John, do you have the breastplate? Now... There's something wrong with this mock-up. The names are below the stones. The names are actually engraved on the stones. For the life of me, if you're going to do a mock-up, I don't know why people think they have the ability to take artistic liberty and just make it any way they want. Same thing with the Ark of the Covenant. If God said, do it this way, do it this way. How do you think God would have felt if they would not have engraved the stones and they just... Oh, let's put the letters underneath. It'll be nicer. We're not supposed to do it our way. Don't we walk our Christian walk like that? This is how I want to do it. Right? I've talked to people in the past about church. Well, you know, I don't go to one church. I bounce around. You know, she's like a smorgasbord. I like to go around. Where does it say that? The Lord wants us to sink our roots deep. He wants us to have deep and abiding fellowship with one another. Can you do that if you're bouncing around everywhere? Some people say, yeah, I can. You cannot. I'm sorry. You have to go to a Bible study. If you choose this as your church, go to a Bible study. Fellowship with the people. Don't make up how you think it ought to be done. Follow the way the Lord said. If the Lord said, sing, what are you supposed to do? What if you can't sing? Sing anyway. He doesn't care. He wants your heart, right? If we're up here singing, you're going, is that seeking after the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength? No, but we make it up. Well, this is how I pray. Really? Did you ever do a study on the prayers of Jesus? And listen, when I say this stuff, I don't mean this, oh, you better feel guilty when you leave here today. I'm bringing you instruction. I preach to myself before I preach to you. This is the way we're supposed to be doing it. And you should probably get the phrases down like, I should be. I will. If you start saying those two things about your walk with the Lord, You'll be so blessed. But people go, woe is me. Well, what's the problem? Well, you know, life is hard. Yeah, life is hard. And what else? We have the Lord. We should just be bubbling over with joy. Anyhow, I digress. This is wrong. They should have made this right. But let's go back to the priest. And so you have this ephod that is made, blue, purple, and scarlet yarn. The, the ephod is a apron. That's what it is. But we call it an ephod because it's mentally, right? And, and that's, that's the blue, purple, and scarlet yarn. And you have the waistband there. That's the thing that is over the blue robe that he has on. And that's what the, the breastplate is attached to. That is what the shoulder pieces are attached to. So you have the turban. You have the, the plate in the front, holy to the Lord. You have the two... Uh, stones on top, the onyx stones. You have the 12 stones on the front. You have the ephod. You have the blue. It's like a um, smock 
I guess, so to speak, and he wears that over the front. And then you have the fine linen underneath. And those are all the pieces of what he wore. Now, pretty simple. If you look at something like that, and if, if you showed up today with something like that on, people would look at you like, what are you wearing? If, this is not something that we would do, but this is what God told the high priest to do. Now, in the, the Yom Kippur, the holy day, he would take off all of these things and just wear the other garments that the other priest would wear. He would look very plain. And he'd walk into the Holy of Holies and he'd sprinkle the blood on there. Now, why do you suppose as the high priest, he would take all of those ornaments off and go into the Holy of Holies? It's because Jesus is our high priest and he came as a common man. He didn't come as somebody to be exalted because look, he looks good. Nothing like that. He was just common. And so as he goes in and offers his own blood, he's just a common man, but a common man who is God in human form. And he is our high priest now, and he's going to look good. This high priest outfit, he looked better than everyone else that was a priest. He was it. We are a kingdom of priests. We will wear white just like the other Levites. But Jesus Christ is royalty, blue, purple, and scarlet. And remember, he has on his thigh, king of kings and lord of lords. I've mentioned this before. You know how you can get those sweats that says uh, University of California on the side in big, bold letter? Well, he has king of kings and lord of lords, and he's on his horse. And by the way, there's no shoes. He walks in there with no shoes. He has nothing on his feet, a humble individual. That's why all this was set up where we would go, wow, that Jesus Christ is our high priest. He is the one that is a glorious depiction of what is in heaven, this high priest that's right here. And it is Jesus Christ, the one that we will see, and he will be arrayed probably in blue, purple, and scarlet yarn. And there is this tabernacle that's up there. And what is this tabernacle going to look like? I don't think it's going to be 40 feet by 40 feet or 45 feet, or 15 by 15 in the Holy of Holies. I think this thing is going to be a monster. I think it's going to be huge. How many people are going to be able to go into it? Everyone will be able to go into that. Now, how many people is everyone? I don't know, but it's a lot. It's a whole bunch of people that are going to be up there in heaven, you know, and and Jesus is going to be there. Now, another thing about this tabernacle, later on it's called the Tent of Meeting, or it's the tent of meeting and we know the tent of meeting is a place where Moses he would take this this tent and he'd take it way outside the camp and he'd go meet with God but then they made the tabernacle and the tabernacle became the tent of meeting where did God meet Moses originally outside the camp because the people they're a bunch of blowits they're unclean right but then the tent of meeting comes to the people And God dwells in the midst of the people. The Shekinah glory was outside the camp. Then it moved inside the camp and was in the midst of the people. Jesus Christ was formally removed from the human race. He did not indwell us with his Holy Spirit except for special times and places. And oftentimes he would remove his Holy Spirit. David said, do not remove your Holy Spirit from me. 
we cannot pray that because once we are saved, we get God's Holy Spirit and he never leaves us. God makes his dwelling in the midst of us, in the midst of the people. And wherever you are inside the camp, you can look and you can see the Lord. Where before he was outside the camp and he met with Moses. And so God's glory is with us. That's what all of this is meant to depict. Going on here. 39, chapter 39, verse 22. They made the robe of the ephod entirely of blue, the work of a a weaver, (coughs) excuse me, with an opening in the center of the robe like the opening of a collar and a band around its opening so it would not tear. They made pomegranates of blue, purple, and scarlet yarn and finely twisted linen around the hem of the robe. And they made bells of pure gold and attached them around the hem between the pomegranates. And the bells of the pomegranates alternated around the hem of the robe to be worn for ministering as the Lord commanded. Remember, uh, I'm sure you've heard this before. You had these pomegranates going around the base of the robe, finely twisted linen and embroidered, and then they had the bells. And you know why they had the bells? If the high priest was unclean, if he had done something wrong. Now, you could probably look up some history on this, but it is said that they would tie a rope around the foot of the high priest when he walked into the Holy of Holies. Why? Because if he is unclean, offering a sacrifice in an unworthy manner, he died right there. And guess what they did with the rope? Pull him out. Who's going to go in and get him? I'm not going in there. You know, and so they, they would yank that guy. Oh, bummer, man. Who's the new high priest? You know, and they'd pull that guy out. And, and so the bells, they would know he's alive. He's alive. It's good. I hear the ringy ding ding in there. He's just moving around and it's okay. It's all good. And he walks out. It's all good. But if you hear the bells just stop, uh uh-oh, let's pull a little. Okay, it pulls back. He's he's all right. He's just moving. But if nothing comes back, pull the guy out, you know, get him out of there. And so you want to make sure you're clean. Now, are we clean? Yes, we are. But I just sinned. Ah, it's all right. God restores you in your relationship with him. If you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Cleanse. So we have been made clean by the blood of the lamb. That is the grace of God. But I did it willfully. Uh Uh-huh. We all do. We all sin willfully. When you're getting ready to sin, you know it, right? Should I? No, you shouldn't. Yes, I should. No, no, you shouldn't. Yes, I should. And you debate with yourself. Sometimes the debate doesn't last but a millisecond. And you choose the wrong. Or you say, no, I will not do this. And you choose the right. I, I want to be like Joseph. You know who is under Potiphar? The master has given me control over the entire household. Will I take his wife too? I won't do it. And what did he do? He scrammed. He ran out of that place. He did not have any part of the sin. Would to the Lord that we would all be like that, but we're not. But the Lord cleanses us when there is an issue. That's his grace in our lives. Going on, the other priestly garments. For Aaron and his sons, they made tunics of fine linen, the work of a weaver, and the turban of fine linen, and the linen headbands, and undergarments of finely twisted linen. The sash was of finely twisted linen, blue, purple, and scarlet yarn. They had a sash going across them. <clears throat> the work of an embroiderer as the Lord commanded Moses. They made the plate, the sacred diadem, out of pure gold and engraved on it, like the inscription on the seal, holy to the Lord. Then they fastened the blue cord to attach it to the turban 
as the Lord commanded Moses. So all the work of the tabernacle and the tent of meeting was completed. The Israelites did everything just as the Lord commanded Moses. Then they brought the tabernacle to Moses, the tent and all its furnishings, its clasp frames, crossbars, posts, and bases, the covering of ramskin dyed red, the covering of hides, hides of sea cows and the shielding curtain, the ark of the testimony with its poles and the atonement cover the table with all of its articles and the bread of the presence, the pure gold lampstand with its row of lamps and all its accessories and the oil for the light, the gold altar, the anointing oil, the fragrant incense and the curtains for the entrance to the main our entrance to the tent, the bronze altar with the bronze grating, its poles and all its utensils, the basins and its stands, the curtain of the courtyard with its posts and bases and the curtain for the entrance to the courtyard, the ropes and the tent pegs for the courtyard, all the furnishings for the tabernacle, the tent of meeting. And the woven garments worn for ministering in the sanctuary, both the sacred garments for Aaron, the priest, and the garments for his sons when serving as priests. The Israelites had done all the work just as the Lord just as the Lord had commanded Moses, Moses inspected the work and saw that they had done it just as the Lord had commanded. So the Lord blessed them. Eight times we are told that they performed just as the Lord commanded. They were obedient after all the murmuring and complaining and disobedience and idolatry. They were obedient just as the Lord commanded They did. Can the Lord say that of us? You have done just as the Lord has commanded. Now, if we don't keep God's word in the forefront of our minds, we're not going to do just as the Lord commanded. We have to keep it at the forefront of our minds. Now, Moses was there to guide him. Okay, so where's the tent pegs? Uh huh. Oh, this is nice. He would be the superintendent. He would walk around and make sure everything's getting done. He'd check in with Aholiab. Hey, Aholiab. How is it? That's how he'd say it. Oh, holy. How, how's the blue, purple, and scarlet yarn? Is it all good? And he would say, yes, we're doing good. Oh, it's Lord's blessing. You know, you, you could just see the conversations going on. And the guy's sweating out there as they pound out the gold and the bronze. Yes, that's a good thing. Yeah, oh, thank you for the water. And they're, you know, that's how they talked back then. They didn't talk like we do today. And so they, you know, they, they just got all together and they made this in eight times in verses 1, 5, 7, 21, 26, 29, 31, and 43. So there are three things that they did that we should imitate. They all gave to the work of the Lord. We know that. We, they kept on bringing offerings where Moses had to say, enough, it's enough. And then they served wholeheartedly. By the way, I get that accent from Tevi. You know who Tevi is? If I were a rich man, fiddler on the roof. It's just a fantastic movie. I love that movie. Anyhow, going on. Side note. They gave to the work. They served the Lord wholeheartedly and they worshiped. They did those three things. And that's what we're supposed to do. There are three things that they did that we should forsake. I want you to take your Bibles and open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And God lists those things in chapter 10 that we should avoid that they did. And remember, these things happened and were written down for our examples. God means for us to employ these things. He doesn't mean for us to be innocent bystanders not doing anything, so to speak. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1, it says, For I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers, that our forefathers were all under the cloud and that they all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food. They drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them. And that rock was Christ. Nevertheless, 
God was not pleased with most of them. Their bodies were scattered over the desert. And here's what God was not pleased with. Now, these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat, drink, and got up to indulge in pagan revelry. We should not commit sexual adultery as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 of them died. We should not touch the Lord as some of them did. And they were killed by snakes. And do not grumble as some of them did and were killed by the destroying angels. So they had four things. They were idolaters. They were involved in sexual immorality. They tested the Lord and God killed some of them by snakes. And they grumbled. So they were murmuring. Remember we did this little thing of murmuring, what murmuring is? This is what I want you to do. All at once, you're going to go. Okay, ready? Count of three. One, two, three. Oh, you hear that? That's murmuring. God doesn't want that. Let me tell you what's going on. And you're talking, and it's not good. Grumbling. Well, I don't know that you should do that. You know, I, don't, I don't like this going on over here. I don't like that type of behavior. What are they doing that in church for? You know, those plants are going to die. Why do you even put those in? They're plastic. Just remember they're plastic. Why? Why? You know, we can always complain about something. Philippians 2.14. Do everything without complaining or arguing. That is such a... If we never did anything in the word but that, just think how blessed you'd be. You know, we, we're not supposed to complain. And so these people... They did these things, and God said, these are examples. Don't do them. And this is for me, too. This is not just for you. So the idolatry, sexual immorality, the complaining, and the murmuring. Then you have the presentation of the temple here, or the tabernacle. Verse 1 of 40. Then the Lord said to Moses, set up the tabernacle, the tent of meeting on the first day of the first month. Place the ark of the testimony in it and the shield, the ark with the curtain. Bring in the table and set out what belongs on it. Then bring the lampstand and set up its lamps. Place the gold altar of incense in front of the Ark of the Testimony and put the curtain at the entrance to the tabernacle. Place the altar of burnt offering in front of the entrance to the tabernacle, the tent of meeting. Place the basin between the tent of meeting and the altar and put water in it. Set up the courtyard around it and put the curtain at the entrance to the courtyard. Take the anointing oil and anoint the tabernacle with everything in it. Consecrate it and all its furnishings and it will be holy. Then anoint the altar of burnt offerings and all its utensils. Consecrate the altar and it will be most holy. Anoint the basin and its stands and consecrate them. Bring Aaron and his sons to the tent entrance to the tent of meeting and wash them with water. Then dress Aaron in the sacred garments. Anoint him and consecrate him so he may serve me as priest. Bring his sons and dress them in tunics. Anoint them just as you anointed their father so they may serve me as priests. Their anointing will be to a priesthood and will continue for all generations to come. Moses did everything just as the Lord commanded him. So the tabernacle was set up on the first day of the first month in the second year when Moses set up the tabernacle. He put the bases in place, erected the frames, inserted the crossbars, and set up the posts. Then he spread the tent over the tabernacle and put the cover over the tent as the Lord commanded him. He took the testimony and placed it in the ark, attached the poles to the ark, and put the atonement cover on it. Then he brought the ark into the tabernacle and hung the shield and curtain and shielded the ark of the testimony as the Lord commanded him. Moses placed the table in the tent of meeting on the north side of the tabernacle, outside the curtain, and set up the bread on it before the Lord as the Lord commanded him. 
He placed the lampstand in the tent of meeting opposite the table on the south side of the tabernacle and set up the lamps before the Lord as Lord commanded him. Moses placed the gold altar in the tent of meeting in front of the curtain and burned fragrant incense on it as the Lord commanded him. Then he put up the curtain at the entrance to the tabernacle. He set the altar of burnt offering near the entrance to the tabernacle, the tent of meeting, and offered on it burnt offerings and grain offerings as the Lord commanded him. Do you keep on hearing something? As the Lord commanded him, this guy was obedient to the nth degree. He placed the basin between the tent of meeting and the altar and put water in it for washing. And Moses and Aaron and his son used it to wash their hands and feet. They washed whenever they entered the tent of meeting and approached the altar as the Lord commanded Moses. Then Moses set up the courtyard around the tabernacle of the altar and put up the curtain at the entrance to the courtyard. And so Moses finished the work. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses could not enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled upon it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. In all the travels of the Israelites, whenever the cloud lifted from above the tabernacle, they would set out. But if the cloud did not lift, they would not set out until the day it lifted. So the cloud of the Lord was over the tabernacle by day and the fire was in the cloud by night in the sight of all the house of Israel during all the travels. And so this is what God did to deliver his people. He brought them out of slavery, took them into the wilderness. And we know that they didn't go into the promised land right away because of their disobedience, because they were idolaters, because they were sexually immoral, because they were complainers, because they were murmurers. If we want God's blessing, we look at what the Israelites did as mistakes, and we avoid those. But we also look at what they accomplished, their successes, and emulate or imitate those things. We have things to forsake, and we have things to imitate. If we do that, God will bless us beyond our wildest dreams. If we do not, we will have to settle for a mediocre walk. We will not see successes. God's hand of blessing will not be upon us. My prayer for you is that you can remember what the Israelites did when tempted to sin, and me as well. When we are tempted to sin, we say, No. Shall I sin against the Lord in committing this act? No. I will be holy, set apart for him. I will do the work the Lord has commanded. I will employ my gifts. I will bless the Lord at all times, as the psalmist has said. This is my prayer for you, that you can be set apart for the Lord and do his will on all occasions. At this time, we're going to be receiving communion. Communion is for those who believe, those who have accepted Christ, and we are remembering the death, burial, and sacrifice and the resurrection and ascension of Jesus when we take this. We remember his body when we hold the bread. We remember the cup uh, that represents his blood, the sacrifice that this tabernacle in the wilderness was meant to have employed, the sacrifice that's out front and the blood sprinkling. There is not remission or forgiveness of sins without that sacrifice. So at this time, I want the worship team to come up. And we're going to sing a song. And during that time, if if you have any sins, anything that you want to repent of, this is the time to do it. As we're singing the song, you, you just say, Lord, you know who I am. You know what I have done. I confess this sin to you. I confess that sin to you. I confess complacency. I confess, I, I can 
confess complaining. I confess murmuring. I want to be one that is sold out to do your will here in this life. But before I am consumed with doing your will, I want to know what you have done. So keep the Lord first and foremost. So we're going to sing this song. And if you need to pray a prayer or something like that, or even ask Jesus to save you from your sin and be part of the body of Christ, go ahead and do that at this time. And if you guys would come forward and go ahead and pass this out.